0: Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. In the third episode of their health tech podcast series, Ian O'Neill, a shareholder in Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek's intellectual property department, focusing on technology transactions, licensing, advanced media, and privacy issues, and Emily Weber, a shareholder in the firm's healthcare group, focusing on academic medicine and clinical research, data security compliance, and governance for personalized medical programs, discuss how HIPAA, tech and TCPA apply to patient engagement and specifically text messages.
1: I'm Emily Weber. I'm a shareholder at Brownstein-Hyatt-Farber Shrek. I'm in the healthcare corporate department. I'm here with my colleague Ian O'Neill.
2: Hi, I'm Ian O'Neill. I'm uh, also a shareholder at Brownstein-Hyatt-Farber Shrek. I am the head of the Technology Transaction Advanced Media and Privacy Group here with a practice that focuses heavily in the digital health and health tech space.
1: So today, this is going to be a shorter podcast about 10 to 11 minutes, but we're going to talk briefly about HIPAA and high tech, what that means, the privacy and security rules, and then secondly, we're going to talk about many of the uses or how PHI, which is protected health information, is disclosed most often through text, email, and instant message. So HIPAA stands for the Health Information Portability and Accountability Act. It was created in 1996 and it has since been amended several times, most recently by HITECH, which is a health information technology for economic and clinical health. It was enacted as part of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009. So, HIPAA, there's a privacy and a security rule. I'm going to talk briefly about the privacy part, and Ian is going to talk about the security part, which is really under high tech. And so, generally, HIPAA applies to both covered entities and business associates. Covered entities are most often providers, whether it's a physician or a uh, hospital or a physician group, healthcare clearinghouses, and healthcare plans. And uh, the general rule is that those individuals, those covered entities, may not use or disclose PHI, which is protected health information, unless either it is for treatment operations or health care payment purposes, or if there is an exception. So a lot of the exceptions apply to uh, certain law enforcement activities, some marketing activities, and those sorts of things. But generally, you can't use and disclose PHI for any of those above reasons unless you have patient authorization. Now, it also applies to what's called business associates, and business associates perform an action for or on behalf of the covered entity, and a lot of those attorneys can actually be business associates. They can also be auditors, financial services, consultants, and so they are business associates, and what they do is they use and disclose that PHI on behalf of the covered entity. And the way I think about this is a lot of times the covered entity, let's say the hospital, could actually use and disclose, and let's say it's for billing purposes. They could do that themselves, but they pay a third party to do that because for whatever business reason they have. And so those business associates are generally held to the same standards as the covered entities. And for all intents and purposes of this call, we're going to say that they are. So... Ian, why don't you talk a little bit about the security part of high tech?
2: Uh, certainly, Emily. Well, without delving too deeply into you know kind of the individual sections and section reference numbers, at a high level, both high tech and HIPAA implement and enforce certain security requirements with respect to both PHI and EPHI. These are kind of generally known as the Safeguards Rule. And there's a few different sections in HIPAA and a few different sections in high tech that refer to it. But basically what they boil down to is that all healthcare providers who are covered entities under HIPAA have a duty to safeguard the security of the EPHI. By safeguard, what that means is basically they have to implement reasonable measures to make sure that PHI is not only secure while it's in their possession, but if they choose to use any patient engagement tools, which is what we're talking about today, so email, text messaging, SMS messaging, then they have to make sure those tools have sufficient technology built into them to meet the safeguarding rule and that they have reasonable procedures to verify that the people who are seeking to access and receive that PHI on the other side are who we think they are when you send it. And also that during transmission, and while it's kind of circling around and batting around on its way to that recipient, it's been safeguarded against um, interception or man-in-the-middle type attacks or that type of breach. So when we say, talk about safeguards, today we're talking about safeguards with respect to if we want to send out PHI, or we want to engage somehow with a patient. Obviously, high tech also has more robust requirements with respect to actually safeguarding your information while it's in your possession, and we have very technical standards with respect to things like encryption levels and levels of security that need to be in place. Those aren't what we're talking about today. What we're talking about today is the level of security required for patient engagement tools.
1: And to touch on that real quick. OCR, which is the Office of Civil Rights, which falls under HHS, which is uh, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, they actually have a risk assessment tool that covered entities and business associates can use where you basically go through and say, well, this is the PHI, this is the protected health information that we will use and disclose, and this is what we have in place to secure and to um, make sure that that PHI is used and disclosed appropriately. So, generally, I think covered entities and business associates can go there for what you refer to as the more technical encryption and security requirements that you're supposed to have in place under high- tech. and we can certainly talk about that I think at another podcast.
2: Exactly. and while you're there looking that up, you can always check out section 312 which is you know where OCR also talks about the safeguarding rule for transmitting email. And for making calls, which is what we're going to talk about with respect to text messages, as you know, we all know that any call made you know, or any text sent is considered an auto-dialed call under the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. So it's still a call, even if it's a text message.
1: Hmm. I did not know that. Thank you, Ian.
2: Yes, the TCPA. We're going to talk about that. That's actually one of the so areas. So let's go right there. Well, OK. Let's start off with text messages then. So there is a myth that you cannot send text messages with respect to any patient engagement. It's a pretty common uh, myth out there. The amount of litigation and action we've all seen in the TCPA space over the last couple of years I think has helped cement And amplify this myth. And can Um, you
1: explain the TCPA?
2: Absolutely. So the TCPA is the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. It's an act that came out in the early 90s, 1991. And it was originally, you know, people refer to it as things like the Junk Facts Act or other derogatory names like that. Basically, it was designed to work with your telephone system and to protect consumers from receiving lots and lots of nuisance calls from auto dialers, you know, voice recorded messages that would just randomly blitz your answer machine or dial you. It was meant to stem lots of abusive practices with respect to people locking up your phone line if you didn't want to talk to a salesperson on the other side, filling up your answer machine with junk messages, sending junk faxes after each other. So it's an older act that applies to kind of more obsolete technology. It came back to life kind of like the monster at the end of a horror movie, uh, just when you thought it was dead about three years ago. The FCC, in its infinite wisdom, decided that it wanted to focus on the TCPA with the rise of text messaging and text message marketing. And it issued two or three different clarifications of the course of a few years and then issued new versions of its rules, which basically caused a huge flurry of activity and lawsuits and litigation around kind of TCPA violations. And what that triggered was it made a clarification and changed the language of the statute to make it clear that a text message, which had suddenly become a prevalent form of communication uh, since about 2013 onwards, a text message, because it is sent using the cellular system, which is the telephone system, and it's sent using a technology which is automatic, you know, it's not somebody picking up the phone and dialing is an auto-dialed call.
1: So what about text messages that are sent over Wi-Fi? You know, if I'm on my Apple and i
2: it's still, still cellular? Using, yes, you're still using some type of machine, and so it's still considered a call. And if it's sent individually, like if you and I would sit there and type in an individual message, a doctor sits and types in an individual message to the patient saying, hey, Jane Doe, I want to talk to you about your test results. Can you give me a call at this time? It looks like this particular test result is abnormal and we should discuss that. If the doctor sends that, that's not an auto-dialed call, right? So that's outside of the scope of a of TCPA. However, that's not really what we're seeing in the patient engagement area, right? Because to be truly useful and to actually have any kind of benefit and increase value and increase care and do all those good triple aim things that we're always looking at it has to be efficient and so for a doctor to sit our care healthcare provider to sit and type in an individual text message doesn't provide any benefit over just sending an email or picking up a phone and calling so from a practical point of view none of the health tech companies or health tech innovators we see out there are really interested in just allowing a, a healthcare provider to do that. What we're seeing more, right, are the rise of health tech applications that for patient engagement will use some kind of machine intelligence or some kind of automated system in the back end to send the messages to help you know, the patients be engaged in managing their health or managing a condition like diabetes or getting enough exercise without individual attention. And because those are done by machine, it is being done by an automated system, so therefore it's an automated call from an auto-dialer. So those type of texts absolutely are subject to a TCPA. However, that's where the myth comes in. So the myth is that because they're an auto-dial system, you cannot send that type of text for a patient engagement purpose uh, without committing a violation of the TCPA, which would expose you to what we're seeing predominantly are class-action lawsuits, because for TCPA has a class-action provision within it. What is not true because of the myth, is the FCC did have an exemption for healthcare messages. And so there were a lot of requests for clarification filed. 21, I believe, were filed back in the 2014, 2015 timeframe. And in 2015, so just a you know, a short few months ago, um, the FCC issued a clarification to make it crystal clear that provided they meet certain requirements, text messages for non-marketing purposes, but that are healthcare information are ha- subject to an exemption from a TCPA. So what that means is that I can, use, I can have a health tech app. That uses some type of automated machine learning in order to send text messages that have some kind of healthcare um, application, healthcare information, that are not marketing. They're actually related to whatever the treatment condition or whatever the protocol is or whatever the pathway is that we're working on. You know, If it's a healthcare app that helps somebody, for example with depression, manage their symptoms by getting out and reminding them to go for a walk, to take their medication, to um, even have a positive attitude about something. Those are non-marketing messages. So those fall under the TCPA exemption.
1: However, I will add that on the flip side, Those communications between a patient and provider, whether they are a text message, an email, or through some mobile health app, one that I've personally used is called My Health Connection, those are part of the medical record almost always. And those are subject to HIPAA. So they may not, they may be exempted under the TCPA, but they are part of HIPAA. And so, from a HIPAA perspective, and also um, sometimes I saw when I was in-house from a professional liability perspective. Because if you have uh, patients communicating with their physician through those means and not through an in-person or a telephone call, there may be an issue of an urgent or emergent situation where the patient goes and they email and they go through the health app and they want immediate uh Communication or access to a healthcare provider, and they don't get it because that's not the the purpose of those. Um, of oftentimes, the purpose of those types of communications. And so, I would caution against um, providers, especially from how they anticipate and don't anticipate that those platforms will be used, and especially from a professional liability perspective. And also to understand that oftentimes, unless there's some unforeseen situation, that text messages, especially, and sort of these messages through these mobile health apps can be subject to discovery.
2: Exactly. And there's, you know, so there's also other requirements within the TCPA exemption itself. So it's certainly not that you can absolutely just text message and say, well, we're in the clear because it isn't a TCPA violation. You still have to get past the fact that under HIPAA and the safeguards rule, then you can't allow unauthorized people to access any PHI. Text messaging raises a problem here, obviously, because typically if there's no password or logon to access a text message, if I can access your phone, I can access whatever text messages are available on there. So other than the password to lock my iPhone or something, there's no authentication. So that's problem one, is how do you use text messaging and still comply with the safeguards rule that you can lock on and lock down the PHI in there.
1: And if I can just add to that, one of the biggest issues with um, improper, you know, breaches of PHI is mobile devices and laptops and thumb drives. I would never use a thumb drive to put PHI on that because almost certainly you're going to lose it, and then you will be required to notify, and you could be subject to breach and everything good that comes with that. But also, even with mobile devices. Um, And laptops, I would ensure that certainly for laptops, that PHI is only used on encrypted devices. And with mobile devices, I think texting, it's a problem to – have a patient-provider relationship over text because if that cell phone is lost and there's PHI on the cell phone that's not locked or that you can wipe it or after a certain number of passcode attempts, the device is locked, then that can also be subject to the breach rules of HIPAA. So just be very careful in how PHI is used and disclosed and in- And under what platform?
2: Well, exactly. And there's also very strong limitations on relying on the healthcare exemption. For example, the healthcare exemption of the TCPA only applies to exigent healthcare Mm -hmm. kind of emergency information or treatment, uh, circumstances and treatment information. You can't send any billing information. You can't try to collect money that way. You can't market that way. You can't solicit that way. So the TCPA exemption, while it exists, is very limited. It you, it doesn't get around the safeguards rule because you're sending PHI out over what's effectively a non-secure system, and it can only be used for actual healthcare information, which is why the better way to approach it is always to have some kind of server-side secure app but where the healthcare app would allow me to sign in have some type of registration, some type of login process where I can make sure it's uh, secure and only I can sign into my server side account, use in-app messaging rather than text messaging and communicate that way. And when you do communicate with the in-app messaging, any messaging that is public facing, I you know what pops up on the face of your iPhone should be limited to notifications, that PA- information containing PHI is available within their healthcare app or to, Notifications that don't include PHI. So for example, a notification reminder that you can maybe take your medication is a good idea, but not anything that identifies that medication. A notification reminder to take a walk if it's a depression treating app is a good idea but not anything that says, take a walk for your depression. You know, right. um, so you have to be very careful. Um, and I think that actually took a little more time than we, <laughs> we intended. So I think we're going to actually just talk about text messaging today and secure side. And then we will talk about instant messaging and email transmissions and maybe dig a little bit more into you know, both Rule 312 and Rule 306 of HIPAA, uh, which is where the OCR has put the safeguarding rules and kind of made its statements that you're allowed to use email, you're allowed to use text right. under how. certain circumstances, right. very limited circumstances, in our next podcast. And maybe we will devote a podcast, I think, just to talk about those two safeguards rules because it obviously mm-hmm. needs a little more time than we have to devote today.
1: All right. Well, thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. Visit www.bhfs.com for more information.